Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. The drive with Tim Donnelly uh, and the starting five, logically, starts with number five. Yesterday, veteran linebacker Deion Jones signed with the Panthers, and this is more than just a throwaway signing. There's, there's a gift and a curse of having a player like Shaq Thompson, and Shaq Thompson is a fan favorite. He's a defensive leader for the, for the Panthers. Uh, the gift and the curse is uh, he's a little bit unusual, right? He's an undersized off-ball linebacker that can uh, run with guys. He can guard tight ends. He can stick with with running backs out of the backfield. Uh, and that is is good. <laughs> Sometimes the simple analysis is the best. That is good. Thumbs up. Um, but, I mean, it's good for a bunch of reasons, right? It's good for uh, he's unusual, right? If, if a team faces the same defensive looks every single week, the offense is going to become pretty good at beating them, right? If you're facing the same big run-stuffing linebackers, the same middle linebackers, you're going to know how to handle them. So if you have a player that's a bit unique, oh, look at this. We have to uh, practice for it to change what we do. We're not going to do our, our, what we do best. The, the curse of having a player like Sha- Shaq Thompson is your defense is built around a guy who is is unique. So if he ever has to miss time, or if he, I mean, heck, if you ever, I mean, what do we see in the NFL now, right? Even if uh, if you get hit hard, even if you don't go into concussion protocol, you have to leave the field, go into the tent, miss four or five plays sometimes, right? Depending on when timeouts and first downs happen and all those sorts of things. If that happens, you don't want to have to change your entire defense. Deion Jones, as valuable as he is as a player with, you know, a whole bunch of 100 tackle seasons, a whole bunch of uh, highlights from, from coverage and, and, a pro bowler early in his career in Atlanta for all of that. He's also very similar in like, uh, to use a car term, make and model to the, to, to Shaq Thompson, right? Around six foot around 225, a little bit smaller, but a little bit faster, good instincts and coverage. So if there ever is that moment where Shaq Thompson has to come off the field, I think Deion Jones fits in there nicely. And because they're, they're both unique, there's not a lot of options out there, right? You know, if, if, if you do have kind of the run-of-the-mill middle linebacker, you can go, all right, we'll go grab one off the, the waiver wire. All right, yeah, we'll draft one in the sixth round, and we'll we'll figure it out. For, we'll train them. We'll teach them what we want them to do. But you just can't do that normally, right? It's, it's Tyler Huntley backing up Lamar Jackson, right? It, it, it's like, okay, we don't have to change the offense a ton when Lamar gets hurt. Now, is Lam- Tyler Huntley as good as Lamar Jackson? No, right? Because if he was, he'd be making $250 million somewhere. But... He, he's similar in, in style, so you don't have to change everything. Deion Jones, same thing for the Panthers. It's an under-the-radar signing for the Panthers, but uh, we need to bookmark this. What is it? August 1st, 5.03 p.m., middle of training camp. When when Deion Jones steps in and, and fulfills the role of an off-ball linebacker in week 12, whether it's because Shaq Thompson misses a couple plays or maybe he has to miss a game or two. And injuries are just a real thing now in a week, and it's in a 17-week football season. 18 weeks, 17 game. I mean, you're, you're exactly right, but it's 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 a long season. 
So if he has to miss two or three games when Deion Jones comes in and the defense, uh, you know, treads water at least, I'm going to go, remember August 1st, 5.03 p.m., middle of training camp, when I said that Deion Jones was going to be uh, a significant signing, and, uh, and we'll have the receipts to back it up. Let's get to number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! We're going to pivot on number four a little bit. This is uh, breaking-ish news. Uh, Justin Verlander traded, or they agreed to the trade. Jeff Passan has the uh, the details, ESPN's uh, Major League Baseball insider. The Houston Astros have a deal in place to acquire ace Justin Verlander from the New York Mets. Sources familiar with the agreement told ESPN. Uh, that was two hours ago. An hour ago, Jeff Passan added full trade per ESPN sources. Astros receive Justin Verlander. Mets receive prospects, outfielder Drew Gilbert and outfielder Ryan Clifford. In Jeff Passan's word, deal is done. I'm going to go Jesse Pinkman mode here for a little bit and just say the Astros can't keep getting away with it. They, they, the Astros just got Justin Verlander off their team. And that's the wrong way to put it. They just watched Justin Verlander leave their team, right? In free agency, he went and took the big money from the Mets. Now they're giving up two of their better prospects to bring him back. That's interesting to me. Now, uh, it's also interesting to me because the the Mets are, you know, I guess they learned a lesson that Major League Baseball probably has known for a long time, that it's not smart to bring in two essentially 40-year-old pitchers and pay them more than their age in millions per year because they had Max Scherzer for 43-plus million per year and Justin Verlander for 43-plus million per year, and they've both, I kid you not, have been in our lives as elite pitchers for, I mean, since I was in the middle of elementary school. And I'm not, I've got a two year old of my own now. I'm not like a young guy. Um, that's pretty ridiculous, right? And the fact that they gave those deals and have now moved on from those deals and what has been a catastrophic season, I think it's why I like baseball and why, you know, for all of the, they don't cater to the younger crowd, why for all of, all of the, uh, steroid era and all of the stupid unwritten rules where you're right if you hit a home run and take one second too long rounding the bases now you have somebody throwing a 95 mile an hour fastball at your your neck like for all of those things that i don't like about baseball what i keep coming back to is there is no salary cap right you can pay oodles and oodles and oodles of cash not a hard salary cap but you can't buy a championship right the the I have a love-hate relationship with salary caps because a lot of times I'm or max salary rules because a lot of times I'm thinking like why why limit the, if the if the owners want to give it to the players why are we limiting the players like let the owners make that decision right but at the same time I do think in football and in basketball there would be more and maybe even in hockey although to a lesser eh, probably not in hockey hockey's probably more like baseball um, I think you'd be able to buy championships. Right? If you just had a blank check and you just wanted to spend more than everybody else, I think you'd have a really, really good shot at winning Super Bowls and winning NBA championships pretty consistently. And that would make it less fun for me, right? Because part of the beauty of, of sports is that they're unpredictable. But in baseball, it is unequivocal. It is inarguable. You cannot just go buy championships, right? You, the Mets payroll was ridiculous. They are sellers at the deadline. Not only did they not win a championship, it's halfway through the season, and they're not even convinced they could stick around and maybe turn it into a contender. 
So they're selling at the deadline. That is the secret sauce of baseball. Their injury list is also just stat is probably the wrong way to use this term. But, I mean, if you go all the way back to April 4th, there's 16 players that are on there. And so it's just just not a good year for the Mets. The Mets payroll right now. I just just typed this in. Uh, Their payroll for 2023, and this, I guess, may adjust once we get the numbers on how much they're going to have to pay Verlander versus how how much they're taking on. But uh, $345 million, essentially, for this year alone. The Yankees are second at 279. That's a massive. That's not between first and last. It's between first and second. Last is the Oakland A's, uh, who have spent 55 million. Second to last are the Orioles, who are good. Yeah. A little under 70 million. You could essentially, uh, matter of fact, you could uh, almost, almost fit the, the, the Orioles payroll between the Mets and the second highest spending team. And the Mets are somehow sellers at the deadline. They just agreed to a trade to send Verlander to the Astros. They prove you can't buy a championship in Major League Baseball. And I love that about baseball. Right, Part of the worry I have in college football is if uh, the correct rich person ever links up with a, uh, a school, or, I, I mean, it wouldn't be crazy to me if a uh, something like the Live Golf situation where some Saudi Arabian or PIF money wants to choose a college football team and just pay a ton of money in name, image, and likeness, I think you could buy a college football championship, essentially. But you can't do it in baseball. And there's something, you know, how can you not be romantic about baseball? There's something <laughs> romantic about there that element. There's something romantic about that element. Uh, let's get to, to number three on the starting five. One, two, three. The ACC preseason media poll came out. Big surprise. Clemson, number one. No. I know. I know. 103 of the 176 media votes uh, went to Clemson, number one. Florida State, second, with 67 first-place votes. North Carolina, five first-place votes. NC State in fourth with a single first-place vote. I need that one person that voted for NC State to DM me because I I just – not even to make fun of that. I just want to hear the logic behind it. If, if, any, if anybody has a connect to who it was, it was not, I believe, anybody in our organization. I know we have a couple votes floating around the uh, the, the office, um, but I would be very surprised if any of them put NC State number one. I'll buy you a 12-pack of Old Tuffy, and we'll just sit around <laughs> and just discuss your, your logic to that together. Do you think they had a moment where when the poll came out and they saw just one first-place vote, they were like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm the only That's... one. Oh, my gosh. Why did I do that? Or do you think they were confident, like, yeah, I'm going to be the only hey, man. one right? Pack pride. I'm on an island. I mean, if, if I voted for, and I didn't, uh, if I, I voted for Clemson, just put on Front Street. Uh, if, if I voted for Carolina and they only had five first place votes, I'd be like, eee. I mean, I guess you got to stick to your guns and be, be like, you know, proud of your own evaluation. But the only out of 176 is a, is a rough look. But NC State, I mean, honestly, I'd come forward. If it was me, I'd come forward. Because then at least you know when there's when there's a state fan around, you're not paying for your drinks. Right? Yeah. At least you know when there's a, the, the, one of those, uh, what is it, the Savage Wolves collective people are around or a pack of wolves collective people are around, you're going to be you're gonna be their favorite uh, journalist. You might get your meal paid for at a Medios Italian restaurant. There you go. Yeah, Western, exactly. Or you might even get your own picture on the wall at a Medios Italian restaurant. It's just... 
the single voter with the, with the like, caption that says exactly. the only one who believed in us. Um, but the, the ACC preseason poll: uh, Miami in fifth, Duke and Pitt tied for sixth, Louisville eighth. Sorry, Louisville. Yeah, I guess eighth if they're tied for sixth. Whatever. Uh, they're next. Wake Forest ninth, Syracuse tenth, Virginia Tech, and then I'll just finish it out in order here: Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Virginia. How about Brendan Armstrong? A little come up there, right? You see yeah. this? You, uh, Verlander just did the same thing, right? Being traded from the the down on their luck Mets to a team that's in the championship mix to the Astros. You see it, th- those trades happening in, in professional sports all the time, right? A seller at the deadline has a bad team, but has a couple of good guys, so they trade them to contenders. And somebody goes from like, you know, twenty games below five hundred to twenty games over five hundred in the snap of a finger. How about Brennan Armstrong, right? Virginia picked dead last. Dead last. And it's not close particularly, right? The difference between Virginia and Boston College, who's in 13th, is the same difference that is between Boston College and Syracuse, roughly, who's in 10th. So there's there's a gap between 13 and 14. And uh, Virginia's dead last. But Brent Armstrong left Virginia. He's now at NC State. They're in fourth. Do you think there's going to be signs in the student section for that Friday night game at Virginia with just fans saying, Brandon, please come back. We miss you. Well, I think that depends on on how well the Virginia replacement is doing and how well Brandon Armstrong is doing. It's also fair. That game is not – I think game one – you know, I think it'll be interesting. Does that game come after the Marshall game? Because remember my theory to the to the Marshall game. That, <laughs> that can dictate a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I saw this. There was Obviously, Brandon Armstrong spoke to everybody at, at ACC kickoff. He's expecting the full gamut of reactions when he returns to to Charlottesville. He's expecting cheers, maybe a little razzing, maybe some heartfelt thank yous, maybe some heartfelt you betrayed me's. Like he's he's expecting a little bit of everything from a team that I mean he was there a long time, right? They they had relationships. They they felt like they got to know each other. Uh, the, those fans and him and and. You know, he's he's moved on for a multitude of reasons. I think it's probably time for both sides. Um, but but it's I mean it's interesting when you look at look at the ACC preseason poll and recognize they're picked dead last and he transferred to a team picked fourth. Miami's still the questionable one. I mean Miami's like the very what what are we getting here? Or is is you coming back? Is Tyler Van Dyke gonna stay healthy? How's this offensive coordinator gonna be? And and that's what we talked about earlier where you, you can there's two ways to look at it, right? You look at the ACC preseason poll or you can look at betting odds, right? And and that you can rank teams both ways, right? Who's the favorite to win the ACC championship all the way down to the last favorite? And you can look at the ACC preseason poll, which is the, the media members who cover voting on what they think, and, and you can go with it that way. Um, or you can look for the consensus, right? And the consensus is very much on the end. The betting odds and the ACC preseason poll have Clemson and Florida State, one and two in that order, and they have Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Virginia in the bottom four. Those are agreed upon by the sports bookmakers and uh, the, uh, the the Vegas bookmakers and the ACC preseason poll. That middle, that's where you're you're saying like uh, Miami is a wild card. I would argue everybody in that middle is a wild card, right? Preseason poll has Wake Forest in ninth. I think if Mitch Griffith shows out, they have an offense. I'm not saying they're going to finish second, but better than ninth. Yeah. Right? They've, they've got weapons around them. Dave Clawson is, is a really, really good coach. That's why he comes up every time there's a job opening anywhere else. His exactly. name pops up. Duke 
They've got a brutal schedule, but everybody agrees they're on the upswing. They could finish fourth, or they could be a really, really good team and finish ninth, right? It's it, it's that middle ground that is really, really interesting. State, fourth picked in the preseason poll. They have, they have some question marks. New coordinator, new uh, quarterback, right? A, a couple outside of Peyton Wilson, a couple of big names gone on, on, on the defense, two of them at least, two leaders. They're returning a, a bunch of other guys. But uh, – I just look at it, and I think this preseason poll kind of showed what we know and what we're what we don't know. And what we know is the top and the bottom, at least when it comes to expectations. And what we don't know is how in the heck that middle tier is going to play. And it's a giant middle tier. It's going to be a slugfest. So, you see this in uh, like power rankings, or you know, people put tiered rankings. Sometimes there's like a you're like you're tiering quarterbacks and you go like Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow one. I'm just making this up off the top of the head. These are not my actual tiers. It's pretty accurate though. Uh, I mean, I, I second tier, Lamar Jackson, uh, 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 Herbert, uh, maybe you throw in like Rodgers there or something. And and then you go third tier, 16 quarterbacks, right? It's like everybody from from Jalen Hurts cuz I need to see him do it twice all the way down to, like, Derek Carr. And it's like, how is that one tier? And you're just like, I don't know how any of that's going to play. It's like, all right, you're you're just agreeing that there's chaos. To me, it's like there's three tiers in the ACC right now, at least according to the, the preseason expectations set by the poll and the odds. Clemson and Florida State, tier one. Then there's uh, a ton of teams in tier two, eight teams in tier two. Then there's the bottom four in the third tier. And and how it shuffles out, that's how it's, you know, that's why we, we play the game. Uh, let's get to number two. Just the, two of us. the United States women's national soccer team played last night, and they played to a draw with Portugal. Now, before we get to what that means for the World Cup, uh, they were heavily favored, meaning the United States was heavily favored going into that game to win, right? And it was not a situation where a draw automatically guarantees their advancement. Because that that does happen in some group play game or uh, group play games, where the better team knows that as long as they just draw, that they advance. So they play wildly conservative and borderline like extra defenders Part out the there. the bus. Yeah, exactly. And and then they just you know cruise and and punch their ticket. That's not what this was. Because there was a draw, they had to wait for other. I think it was the Netherlands game. Other games to to finish that were playing at the same time to find out if they advanced. So this was not a draw by the better team just, you know, possessing the ball for wide amounts of time intentionally. This was a team that wanted to win ending up in a draw with a team that they were supposed to beat by a bunch. That's a problem, right? And and it becomes and they did advance based on the other results. So it's not exactly the sky is falling, although it felt like that at times. Uh or I should say, I didn't watch it live. It was at 3 a.m. this morning. Uh, it feels like that when you read about it and watch the highlights. Uh, it feels like the sky was falling at times. Right? I mean, Portugal was one post away from winning the game. They hit the post in extra time of the second half. Stoppage time of the second half. So things not looking great for the United States women's national team. And then on top of that, the celebration element. After the game which was a near miss. It was a it was a narrow escape. Players on the field dancing, smiling, celebrating their advancement. 
Carly Lloyd, who's been a part of the last two uh, World Cup champions for the United States women's national team, now has joined the media. She's one of us, and she did not like what she saw after the game on the celebrations on the field. I have never witnessed, and just seeing these images for the first time right now on the desk, I have never witnessed something like that. There's a difference between being respectful of the fans and saying hello to your family, but to be dancing, to be smiling. I mean, the player of the match was that post. You're lucky to not be going home right now. Is she su suggesting that they should have, that they, they left the post out of the celebration? They weren't even dancing with the they didn't the go play, dance in the front player, of the goal. The I'm not. Never mind. A uh, few things. I already talked earlier. You can go find it on, on the best of uh, the Drive with Tim Donnelly podcast, which will be posted shortly uh, about the actual decision to celebrate and what that means for their mindset and why why weren't they more upset? And that's what Carly Lloyd was getting at. But I also I want to talk about it from this perspective. Um, they know. The the you can call it a charade. They know that these are high level athletes, right? It's it's Alex Morgan was dancing and Crystal Dunn was dancing. We played at North Carolina and, and with the courage for a while. And and Megan Rapino, like they know the I'll call it like a rigmarole. They know the the act you have to play as a as an athlete that people care about. Right? I played at the University of Delaware. That is significantly less eyeballs than the United States women's national team in the World Cup. But even I knew, like, after a, a loss, even if you played really well, right, talking to the media, stern face, right? Walking to the bus, stern face. You, you, you do that so the fans know you care as much as they do. You do that so, so the fans know and, and everybody knows that you, you are aware things need to be fixed. If, if your team didn't play well, there is a game you play publicly. It's an it's a act, right? As a quarterback, I may have thrown for 350 yards and four touchdowns, but we lost by 14. I, I can't be like, ha, 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 they dance. Or, or even if, if it was a game where we were playing like a Division II team and it was close, you act sad about that. Now, when you're like, if you go back to your house and the doors are shut and you're with your family, you do what you, you can dance, you can celebrate, you can say, oh my gosh, that was the best game of my career. Oh, that throw is going to. But you can't do it on the field after the game when people are watching. It's a game. It's it's a, it's a a dance. It's a dosey do, right? You know what you have to c uh, communicate. You do that. Everybody accepts it, and they accept other things. Sticking with the football analogy, you don't celebrate after beating a Division two team by the Division two team missing a field goal at the last second. Exactly, exactly. If if it was just, I mean, I remember we're, we're, we're again personal story. We're playing Westchester which is a Division II school in, in Pennsylvania. And we ended up winning handily, but at halftime it was close. Is that a Premier League team? <laughs> Sounds like it, right, Westchester? Uh, but we were just we were close at half, and then coming out of half we were mad and we, we, we beat them pretty good. And I remember after that game feeling like, you know, a little queasy, like not happy. Now I'm not saying Portugal is a Division II team in the United States, but kind of. Number one team in the country. They're supposed to dominate. Kind of. Be a little sad. Let's get to number one. The one! Number one. The Panthers are in training camp. Are they a playoff team? This is aided. This is inspired by a few things. One, they do not play in a very, very uh, daunting division. Right? So that's, that's hanging over this whole conversation. Two, we can understand that they are 
They have other plans. I talk about this with uh, the difference between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. Major League Baseball, win, 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 win. Those are your priorities, right? Minor League Baseball, 50-50. Like, try to play good baseball, try to win, but also develop your players to get ready to go help in the big leagues, right? If you have a a starting pitcher who uh, needs to work on getting over adversity, you might let him give up a couple more runs while he's on the mound before pulling him to see if he can battle himself out of it. Uh, I'm not saying that's how the, the, the Panthers should operate, but I'll put it this way. Bryce Young better not get benched, right? I don't care how bad he's playing. You want him out there getting the reps to try to figure it out. Now, is that the best thing you can do to win games? Let a rookie quarterback out there flail and flop around until he figures it out? No, right? The 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 thing to do would be to put in the veteran Andy Dalton and let him uh, smooth it over. And I'm saying uh, no, right? Absolutely not. Bryce Young, once you made the decision for him to be quarterback one, he's your quarterback for better or for worse. But with that being said, could they be a playoff team with with Bryce Young out there playing through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs? You're darn right he could be they could be a playoff team playing through the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. So are they a playoff team? If they were in any other division, I would say it's a long shot. I would say don't make that your expectation. But in that South Division with Atlanta and New Orleans and 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 no one really Tampa and no one really scaring you. It's like Bryce Young playing through the ups and the downs. Could he be as good as whoever wins between Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield? I think so. Could he be as good as Desmond Ritter? I think so. Could he be as good as Derek Carr? Probably not yet. But if you look at the rest of the Panthers roster, they have advantages elsewhere that might make up that difference. I think it's completely fair for the Panthers to have playoff expectations. You should be disappointed if you're not. That being said, it's not the biggest priority. Don't put anything over developing Bryce Young. If you don't make the playoffs, but Bryce Young looks like a superstar or a superstar in the in the making, still a successful season. Just not as successful as it could be. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial advisory group the drive with tim donnelly here on 99.9 the fan i promise you this isn't as weird as it seems today is a day that middle-aged men have been waiting for for months to call 16 year olds they've been just itching for the day they're allowed to to start texting 16 year old high school boys Full production. I know we usually come in with a highlight of a previous play or something related to. I I just did not know how. Where where are you going to go with this one? Yeah, I didn't know how Uh, where you were going with it. I mean, it's a game I like to play. It's a little little fun. Where if you take away football recruiting from the act of recruiting football players, it gets really really weird. Right. Today's the first day that college coaches can reach out directly to the recruits in the class of twenty twenty five. 
that sounds normal, right? Like, oh, today's the first day that college coaches can reach out to prospects and recruits that will graduate in the year 2025. That means they can reach out to rising juniors. That means they can reach out to 16-year-olds. They don't have to, like, you know, there's been opportunities in recruiting periods where they can pick up the phone when a 16-year-old calls or they can respond to a text, but now they can be the initiator, right? They can be the one that reaches out. Which, again, if you take away the football, it gets weird quick, right? It's like, oh, there's there's this group of adults that, that stays up on the latest music and pop culture so they can relate better to 16-year-olds so they can convince them to come live with them for the next, live in the same city as them for the next four years. Gets weird. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean that today's still not a big day for the future of college football programs all over the country and other sports also. It's, it kind of opens things up. August 1st is when junior recruits become contactable when it comes to NCAA rules. For example, uh, Gus Ritchie, a tight end slash defensive end from Pittsburgh nearby, uh, he committed today to North Carolina. They now have two commitments from the class of 2025. Those two guys and any other commits from the class of 2025, unless they reclassify, won't be expected to be on campus until after Drake May's expected rookie year in the NFL. Wow. So that's how long these decisions are going to impact your program, right? If you convince a 16 or 17-year-old rising junior right now to commit to your program and you can maintain that commitment, it will benefit your program not this year, not the year after that, but maybe the year after that. If they redshirt, not till the year after that. It's one of the great challenges of college coaching. 50% of your work is a delayed reaction. NC State reports the training camp today, right? They're showing up, checking in, those sorts of things, at least according to a couple tweets I saw. If you're Dave Doran, your your focus is completely split, right? You have to be focused. It's it's one of those college – it's one of those coaching things where they tell you to give like 110%, which is impossible. Right? You have to be 100% focused on the players that are on your campus right now, getting ready to go into training camp and getting them ready to be ready to play week one. And you also have to be 100% committed to recruiting because if you're not, somebody else is, and then your players won't be as good two years from now. It's a big recruiting day for the class that will help you in the future, the 2025 class. So you have to divide your attention, right? Because If you're not calling a recruit who's a really, really good 2025 recruit today, the first day you're allowed to, guess what other coaches are saying? Don't mind if I do. So did you hear from from anyone else? Oh, you didn't? Oh, you were a priority, right? The first chance I was allowed to call you, I gave you a call. They must be calling other people. Or that program doesn't think you're good enough to play for them. Well, th- th- I mean, they're probably checking with other recruits, and if those fall through, they'll give you a call. But we're checking with you day one. We want you on our campus. There are so many legendary stories of guys like Nick Saban, guys like Dabo Sweeney, Urban Meyer, uh, who I'm not saying has done everything right, but they will call recruits 10 minutes before the national championship game that they're about to coach in. Wow. They'll have a- an office set up in the tunnel where they can call and just say, hey, we're getting ready to play. I'm thinking of you, buddy. You don't think they're going <laughs> to just, just hangs yeah, up. Like, I, hey, do you want to play in the national championship? I'm getting ready to coach in one. You want to come here? All right. Think about that. I got to go coach a game. Click like the, 
You don't think they're willing to use who you call and don't call on the first day against you? Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? So you have to divide your attention. And the funny part is, if your program stinks, like you're taking over a program, there's there's a there's a decent chance, right, that two years of the pre- previous regime stinking is going to affect you moving forward, right? So it makes things like what uh, Mike Elko did at Duke even more impressive. Took over a program, got him to nine wins right away. Well, like everybody else, even for this upcoming year, has had a full year longer to recruit that class than he did because he was somewhere else. He wasn't at Duke. That's tough, right? Last year's recruiting class that he put together, everybody had a two-year jump on him. Right, This day, this first day you were allowed to contact the 2023 recruiting class was two years ago. He hasn't even been at Duke's campus for two years. So turning around a program that fast is darn near impossible. That's why it's so impressive. It's, it's the delayed reaction of it all that becomes really, really tough. The hard work you put in now on a recruit, there's a if you don't if they don't see the field as a as a like a, a main contributor until say their redshirt sophomore year, you're putting in work now. Then they'll have their junior year of high school. Then they'll have their senior year of high school. Then they'll have their redshirt year. Then they'll have their freshman year. And then the fifth year from now, you might get them on the field. That's how crazy this recruiting game is. And I don't know about you, like. I want a little bit more immediate results than that. That's what the point of the challenges of college coaching, right? If I put in a lot of work today on the show, I want I want the show to be good today. If I put a lot of work, like maybe I'm developing some new feature we're going to do, and it, that might take a week. And then I get to put it on air and see how it goes and hear from all of you. That's That's the immediacy most of us hope for, right? I'm I'm not working now, and then maybe we'll put together a great show five years from now. That that's a tough place to be. Oh, meanwhile, I'm going to be judged on everything happening in the meantime. It's got to be so frustrating to know like you're putting together a great recruiting class. Meanwhile, the team you have maybe isn't as as high as as good as you'd want. You're going like, guys, just wait. Four years from Don't now. Don't leave. Four years from now, this team is going to be awesome. Trust the process. Trust the process. If you can get everybody to trust the process, you are the the proper kind of salesperson. Uh, But that's happening all over the the triangle right now. They're calling 16- and 17-year-olds and saying, hey, consider us. It's an interesting place. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.